Welcome back to the show. It's We Are Live. Chris Emmon, Travis Sorrell. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. And thank you to our friends at St. Louis Counseling Services. They support us, so you should support them. When it's time for counseling, you head to St. Louis Counseling Services, improving lives since 1955 through school programs, individual one-on-one -on -one work, everything you can think of under the counseling umbrella. They help out. Be sure to look them up online, stlouiscounseling.org, and download the podcast, Mental Health Matters. You can also find that on their website, everybody. Chris Gardner is here. He brought us more Cocktoberfest miracles. Uh, we are going to have our friend Lacey Reinhardt on here in just a bit. Uh, it's part of our uh, little mini-series we're doing for October. Uh, Lacey's more almost like a historian um, with uh, a haunted tinge to some of her uh, knowledge. She knows why certain things are the way they are, but she's not one of these people that uh, chases orbs and uh, and jumps in their uh, jacked-up Ford truck and screams, there's a ghost! Just like that. Uh, kind of country. in Murphy Settlement? Yeah, probably. Uh, I thought I saw a ghost for like half a second yesterday. I was walking my dogs. My parents have a fairly long driveway that's uh, surrounded by woods and uh -huh. fields. And uh, oh, we'll just say a four-and-a-half-inch corn snake went out in front of me. I had a, a pit bull, a German shepherd, an American bulldog, uh, this other dog. It's a big dog. I have all these dogs around me uh, protecting me from everything, but yet a four-and-a-half-inch snake made me jump in the air and go, oh, oh. <laughs> on a walk. Not an oh. So, no, not, a, not even, not a, not a pleasant, oh, oh look oh. out there, a legit, oh, am I... Am I soft now? Do I have to turn in my belt buckle? City's made you soft. How does that work? You're not you're not I'm cut out for that rural life anymore. I'm trying to think. Like, is that akin to like not having been in the city for a long time and a muffler backfires and you you think you're getting shot at? Where you're like, okay, you're you're, just, you're overdoing. It. You're overselling. You're not it. used to your surroundings anymore when I you're know. out there. I know. When I was a child, before I would have even known if it was poisonous or not, I would have known how to catch it and then look to see if it was poisonous. Then identify it? Then, yeah. You get the triangle head, typically poisonous. Oh, boy. You ever yeah. caught more a snake trap? More of a round head, not poisonous. Oh, okay. So that's Typically. Good. It's good for my penis. Okay. Hmm. Have you ever caught a, caught a snake? I have not. I am not a... Not nah. even off the Do snakes no, scare you? No, I don't do snakes. I don't do snakes. Like even the pet, non-venomous. Oh, I'm over them now. Now I'm like, why would you that. invite this devil into your home? If I see a have snake, have you read the first story of the Bible? Uh, if I see a snake, it's a wrap. It's it's a it's a the look. I I've I've, I've come is. across mice, good, large spiders, straight rats, uh, yick, but cool. But if I see a snake. That's coming out. I don't care where I am. How's that again? That's coming out. Don't care where I am. It's physiological. I can be around too. like I can be around Victoria's Secret models. Um, all of them ready to go home with me. But if a snake of any kind, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're getting that. You're getting lots of, and that's gonna go on for about three to five minutes. That's how I am with bees and wasps. That's fair. See, I can, those other animals, Wasp. other things I can good, uh, but something about snakes. I don't know. I've never, never will ever be on the same page. You'd be like, oh, hey, you're so adorable, non-poisonous. I would never be that. Because I, I think part of it is not knowing. You don't know you how don't. to identify. I ain't got time. So I ain't got time. That I remember them being really fun, like a little green snake. That would be that would make my weekend if I caught a snake. Hold on mm. to it. Yeah, you don't don't keep it that long. Like even when I was going through my. Um, I want a motorcycle and a snake phase. I didn't really want a snake. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really want you a snake. You just saw the Britney Spears video and got it inspired. I, I, like, I've never even been, like, I've seen the guys on the block with the big snakes. We go to the old car shows back in the late 90s, mm -hmm. and guys would be out, you know, sporting their 24, 26-inch rims and their Cutlass Sierra, and then here they are with these massive snakes over there. And then never, never, mm -hmm. never in my mind I ever go, yeah, that's, that's where I want to be in life. Okay. Where, uh, where would they hold the car shows? Uh, they would have it sometimes at uh, across the river at the um, racetrack. Oh, Gateway? Yeah. Oh, okay. That'd be a popular spot. I remember back in the day, and it was not just one location, but Hardee's 
used to like have it on weekends sometimes. They would like have in their parking car, lot and car shows yeah. in their parking lot. Like Hardee's would yeah. be like the I always never figured out why Hardee's because it wasn't either. it wasn't the same one. It was different ones right. that would have it. Right. So I'm like, how did Hardee's end up being the place to go with I the am, car? I'm sorry. Like like that's the if they're if like for example, if I'm out dating your ex and you're like, How can I get that son? How can I show her that he ain't nothing but a little bitch? Like your move would be probably to bring a snake and mm-hmm. she will immediately see how much of a bitch I really am. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'll probably carry on for about 20 minutes, 20, yeah. 25 minutes likely. Uh, but yeah, I don't do the snakes of any kind. I'm, I'm killing it on site. If, if there's a snake in my house, it's getting killed on site. You chop off the head. And by getting killed on that, site, man. by getting killed on site, I mean, I will officially burn the entire house down. Okay. <laughs> so it'll slither away from It's going to definitely it's get away. It's been tainted. There's no doubt. Yeah. These grounds have been tainted. There's no doubt. See, I can't yeah, lay my head down knowing that a snake at some point slithered past that point. No, that's a wrap. See, that's, that's a thing. That's one like, thing they kill me. When I lived briefly out in Arizona, that was the thing that did well, it for me. Like, yeah, they have rattlesnakes. They, they, yeah, they have a lot of things out there that can kill you. And so I came to the conclusion. You're a big this fan of those beautiful, javelinas? Man, I'm not a fan of any damn animal out in there. Out in Arizona. You know what a javelina is, Gardner? Scorpions are prominent out there. And I didn't realize. They just look at them like, oh, hey. And you're like, that's a death machine. Yes. And people Gardner, you know what a javelina is? No. They're like little little pig-looking things with tusks. They can kill a dog. Oh, they will, yeah, no, they'll kill no, your dog. Why are you smiling like that? Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're, <laughs> they're weird. This is something for Chris to hunt later on down the line. <laughs> it's, it's like erotic to him. No. no. <laughs> Ooh, keep talking about the javelinas. No. They're just have a Mia, a good time. They look, they look like cute little fuzzy pigs, and they'll kill your cocker spaniel. Mm-hmm. You know who's killing so my well, soul oh, these okay. days? You know who's killing my soul? These old men directors. Did you hear what Francis Ford Coppola now had to say? So I, natural. Uh, I did see this. Francis Ford Coppola, he said Marvel films are despicable. Martin was being kind when he said it wasn't cinema, said Coppola. He said it was, he didn't say it was despicable, which is what I say. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Martin was kind when he said it's not cinema. He didn't say it's despicable, which I say it is. Huh. I saw this and thought of you. I don't, that's weird, man. I don't know what's going on. Maybe these guys are, maybe that's what happens when you get, look, I've told you recently how I've turned into an old black man. Yeah. So maybe it's just the natural It'd be weird evolution. if you're an old white man. That would be very creepy. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but maybe this is just the evolution of... Let's do that movie and just call it Chad. Of old directors. Like, here's my thing. Pick on the bad ones. Why are you picking on the good one? Like, I get picking on Green Lantern. I get picking on Howard the Duck. Pick on the bad ones. But why are you picking on the ones that resonate with audiences... From all walks of life. I don't understand. Why are you picking on the one that is internationally popular? And again, it isn't just because these movies are CGI and things are blowing up from time to time. That's a real story. I think we all can attest to that. So I just don't understand why you're... Why is it so easy to pick on Marvel now? Like Comic book movies have been coming out for more than two and a half decades now. It's probably because they, you know, they want to do something and there's 90% of the budget's gone for whatever studio because they're working on those things. But those same movie budgets are also bringing in the audiences. They're also the reason why movie theaters across the country remain open. Like, I'm not trying to be... I'm not going James Gunn out here. James, of course, defended it naturally. But I, I just don't understand why the cheap shots at... That's that re- not only resonates with audiences, obviously we see with the box office, but resonate with critics as well. Mm-hmm. If critics wanted to shit on Marvel films, especially the last handful, they could have, and they didn't because they're actually good movies. Mm-hmm. If people wanted to shit on Black Panther, they would have it. They didn't, and people liked the movie, and it actually was nominated for Academy Awards. Like if people wanted to really take a shot at Ant Man, they would have, but they actually enjoy them. It, it's a good story. Paul Rudd is really good in it. So I'm just curious as to why now? Why are these particular stories are you going after when clearly it resonates not only with critics, it resonates naturally with studios, but it certainly is resonating with the audience. And if audience people, if audiences aren't going to the theaters, then movie theaters would be closing right to left. They've closed a ton already in the last 10 years. But if it wasn't for Marvel, a lot of these theaters would have been long gone. And so Coppola's work, 
Scorsese's work would never be seen unless it's on Netflix. So I just find it interesting that the one brand that's keeping the industry basically alive, they're taking what feels like unnecessary shots at them. Well, as you get older, maybe the world changes and it passes you by and you don't know what resonates with people anymore. That's true. And maybe that's the case. I don't know. um, Who did uh, the Irish? Irishman? Is that the one that's coming out? Is that Scorsese? That's Mm -hmm. Scorsese. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be amazing. Do they feel that their work gets overshadowed now because of all the hoopla surrounding the MCU? But I also don't need them. I don't like, do you need them to love these movies? No, No, I don't need them to love these movies. It's 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 like with music though, too. It's like you can do the same thing with anything entertainment, I guess. You can, you can. And it has been done. Some things change in generations kind of define themselves with some of their pop culture, which would be a lot in the entertainment, right? How we were it changed from, we, we look at decades, it changes from decade to decade. That's fine. Even, and even in a guy like the case of, say, Scorsese, I don't like, he kind of makes the same movie over and over. That's okay because it's one Scorsese and we trust him as a storyteller. Like, Okay, he's doing another gangster film. I haven't heard one person go, here we go again, a Scorsese gangster film. People are like, oh, it's Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, let's watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, And to your point, I think it is that's where we are. I think the generations have changed. And where it was Westerns and even the you know, outer space films in the 60s and 70s, 80s and early 90s, superheroes now are that. In the early aughts, late aughts for this generation. Yeah. And I'm I'm surprised that people who know cinema, who know how audiences have changed over generations, aren't at least acknowledging acknowledging that. That's why I'm surprised about well, more so than anything else. Right. Not because they have an opinion, because they're entitled to it. And those are two directors who absolutely deserve to have yeah. whatever opinion they have on cinema. I'm just surprised they aren't going, but you know what? old guys like us we used to love the westerns if this is the new western for the kids then so be it and maybe it's just past our time like i feel like when there's a moment to pass the torch to the next generation like as much as they wanted the previous generation to pass the torch to them now it feels like they're not willing to do the same to the next generation of filmmakers which i don't understand why because those are two guys who begged for years for the status quo that was hollywood to say hey look at our perspective sometimes and now when other artists are trying to do it, they're all like, no, not my movies, not my cinema. It's very odd. I just think it's weird when you use the word enlightening, too, with it. Yeah. Like saying it's supposed to be enlightening. Nah, is it? Like Scorsese did The Departed. That didn't really enlighten That didn't enlighten anybody. <laughs> like, even The Everyone Godfather. Everyone saw The Third Godfather. Yeah. No, I don't think that my was enlightening. My favorite one. But, um, <laughs> I didn't think it was as bad as people made it out to be. Correct. But you're right. But you're right. But it's like, I, it doesn't necessarily, like, when you're doing mafia or mobster films why is that enlightening to me in a way i mean but and, well, and what is enlightened to me is to see people rely on using a line from a movie which you know it's nothing personal it's business right as that's is that though that's an acceptable way of life and a way to do business right no you're just quoting a movie line it so it's like that i'm enlightened by the fact that people will lean on a crutch like that to use in their everyday life as though it's a mantra of and some I think sort. It, and, and especially enlightenment. I like that you brought that up because... That's so, to me, that's weird. That is a very weird thing because, look, if for whatever reason, if you get something Just out of a film... Me. Inter- that's what I ask at the end of the day. Now, if I learned something that I didn't know previously, that's a bonus. But it's yeah. not something I expect going into a film. I don't expect going to Unless any film. Unless you know that about a film, that that's part of what it is. Right. Like, I, I'm looking forward to going to see Joker for the simple fact that I heard it was a very well-written film. Great performances by Joaquin Phoenix. So that's why I want to go in. I'm not expecting to be enlightened about anything. That doesn't mean the movie then isn't good. It doesn't mean the movie was fulfilling. It's just that... I didn't anticipate that from a movie. Now, if a movie somehow finds a way to sneak its way to telling me something I didn't know, then congrats to that writer and the production on the job well done on telling that story. But that's not something I look forward I think, to. I think we might need to just take the word cinema out of it from now on because I do get that feeling. It's not cinema. I, I don't. And so I, I, I'm thinking I'm going to have to remove that just completely. And I love good. Better. Look, don't get me wrong. I love Goodfellas. It's a phenomenal film. Brilliant yeah. film. I don't, 
I don't feel like though I would cinema when it comes to Goodfellas. Like it's a bomb ass, dope movie, well written, great, outstanding directing, great acting. But I'm not cinema. Like I don't know why that's not, why do I need that? Why do I need it for it to be cinema in order for it to be good? Well, good is I, good. A good story is a good story. I like mean, I just don't. Under, that's weird for people to get so pretentious just, about it. I just think you reach an age. Maybe we, the way you tell a story doesn't necessarily relate to younger people and people of younger generations. That's you're not the first one that's happened to, and, that, and that's so, I, and that's okay. Right. Now here's what I would say, and this would go for people like us. Remember this, because we will be there someday. True. So we need to remember, like, True. when we have an opinion like that, True. we also have to remember when we get to those that age, if you're, we're going to be critical of them now, people like that, we have to remember if we want to opine on something, hey, maybe it's just that it's, we're in our, our autumn years. I was that with rap. I'll be honest. And I mean, so the friends and I were, who did the brunch yesterday, we were talking about that. And I was like, I think there was a moment where I was like, this isn't, this isn't my Jay-Z. This isn't my Nas. I don't like it. And then, but I realized what I was doing. And I came to the conclusion, like, that's not fair. Like, this generation should be entitled to create their own voice, yeah. have their own sound. Here's a, we're at the age where we're done defining what that sound is and mm -hmm. entertainment is it's it's now passed on it's to now passed that on. Are younger yes it's now there's to care it's now there's to care it's not for us to decide anymore right. necessarily we can like it or not right and that's fine right but it's not necessarily going to be defined by us and then i think yeah we can't tell a generation to step out into your own especially from a creative standpoint to step out into your voice and then when they do so we then pull the it's not cinema like that's weird to me and again guys guys like scorsese and coppola know especially with this industry there are people who are giving them the middle finger telling them to go screw off when they started their career when they were getting hit with the is gangster film cinema and they were allowed to create they were allowed to express their voices creatively i'm just surprised at knowing that what they went through to get to that point that now that they have arrived they're now doing something to the up-and-comers like the james guns maybe of the they're world. just frustrated they can't write in a with a fantasy element involved but here's my thing is i don't think we're i don't think the audience is asking scorsese to be that no. i don't think people are asking coppola to be that we're asking you right. do what you do do you're a great and look everybody who's had a critique about them have acknowledged look these are the great they deserve their voice so it isn't as if people are saying those old shitheads no not even close people are like you're scorsese you're coppola you're the greatest of all time so I just, I'm, I don't think fans are, I think fans want to see an Irishman. They want to see a godfather S from these guys. That's fine. It's just weird that they, that's because that's not the lane they, tr they wish to travel in that now I, I don't see the need for them to then shit on it. Yeah. That's just very odd coming from two guys who, who have been, have had their backs against the wall against the industry machine. You get old, you complain. Very true. There it goes. Uh, also, want to say a big thanks to Sophie's. They host us each Thursday for Happiest Hour, STL. That's right. <laughs> this week. Hey! Happy, happy, happy! Our friend Lucas Henderleiter will headline. Have some great comics on board. Come out, join us. 4 p.m. is when specials start. 6 o'clock is when comedy gets started. Jack Daniels makes this possible. We're in partnership with them to make this happen each and every week. We've got Jack Daniels specials along with Schlafly beer specials. That's right. Schlafly and Jack Daniels specials along with great comedy free in Grand Center every Thursday at 6 o'clock. We also do later comedy, 8.30 on the Hill. Gaslight, Gastro Pit, come out, eat some barbecue, see some comedy. Jovan Bibbs headlining that one this week. Very excited about both shows. So, one for each of you. If you're in the neighborhood in Grand Center, come at 6. If you're in the Hills, South City area, drop by around 8.30. It's a hell of a time uh, each and every Comedy Thursday for us. Um, guys, very excited about this. Uh, do we have anything else we need to get to before we nope. see our, uh, our friend Lacey Reinhardt? She's got some great sponsors on board. Lacey owns Haunted STL Tours, so if you want to drop her a line, the information is in the interview on how to get a hold of her. Take a very historically accurate tour of St. Louis. Make sure you check her out. Big thanks to Pathways, Love Your Lefty, Calico's Bar and Grill. You've been there. Uh, Mutrix Law Firm. They, uh, they'll help you out in uh, your time of need. And then also Gardner at the bottom part. It's Witches. What is it now? 
Kitchen Witch Pie Company. Kitchen Kitchen Witch Pie Company. So big thanks to these sponsors. We'll tell you more about them throughout the month. But uh, they're here, and they're working with Lacey, and uh, she's our guest. We're going to do a few more of these. It's very interesting. There's a haunted aspect to it. There's also just a historical aspect to it. Really enjoyed these, so uh, thank you, guys. Enjoy. Welcome to the first of a five-part series that we're doing with our friend Lacey Reinhardt from Haunted STL Tours. Very excited to have her in. It's October. And you know what, Travis? We celebrate by dealing with someone with real knowledge oh, yeah? on haunted, haunted history Woo! of St. That's not, I told you, <laughs> please it? don't eat That's the edibles it. before <laughs> the guest comes in. It's a problem. Uh, Lacey Reinhardt, everybody. Hi. Great to see you. How's it going? It's going extremely well, and we're excited to have you in. Uh, we've gotten to talk to you. Uh, got to see you do an awesome uh, public speaking thing you did with our friend Ryan Singer. Uh, you give fun. tours throughout St. Louis, and after talking to you a bunch, I felt like you would be a fit, and all your sponsors felt like that, too. They were like, <laughs> get her out and speak to people. Uh, we've got several different things to talk about, but today, Travis and Gardner, you there? Chris Gardner? Uh, this should right interest here. you. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh ooh, you appeared. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, today, all right, so I specifically chose this topic, or topics, the science behind why St. Louis is so haunted. Metaphysics, geography, first civilizations, and Native American burial ground mounds. Knowing that I have my doctorate in these things, I was I going we to would, actually yeah. say it's you're welcome for inviting you into our home. Be known that I, I have no doctorate in any of those oh, things. Okay. <laughs> well, you're quite the uh, knowledgeable person on the situation. Gardner, did I feel the air get a little uh, tight? Did you get a little <clears throat> Usually it excited gets about that? Colder, not oh, tighter. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. over here talking to my crystal. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> right. He really got my has Tibetan a tectite over here as well. Okay. So. Which word tectited you the most out of that? Yeah. Metaphysics. Ooh. Well, yeah. Bur I mean, burial mounds. Met well, the history of that is something that I think. I know. See, it it kind of crosses over when you're able to have a discussion on history and other things. I think I that know. can kind of wrap other people involved I in the conversation. I think in St. Louis that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think you can avoid that here. I agree. and I think, I think that's in a lot of river towns. Yeah, for river sure. River towns, river cities. Yes, you think that's because of the, tran well, we can I, talk I, about I, it, the transient just nature of things? Well, we have the oldest civilization in the Americas that began just 15 minutes east of where we are right now. So, I mean... And you get to go there in like third grade. St. And most people only go there in third right, or fourth yeah. grade, just like some of our other amazing cultural institutions that are actually not as boring as they were in fourth grade. True. Because as an adult with a little context, you know, it, our city is very interesting, well, very you, complicated. You start, you start thinking about things as like, it's no longer like this cartoon vision of like, oh, they existed there. It's like, no, these are people that were on the exact same land you're on, walking around, different things like that. So starting out, get, give us some background on what you do. I know you do the tours, but I think you're kind of the perfect secret weapon because <laughs> people, they hear this like, ooh, ghost tours, and they expect, for lack of a better term, a quack to go out oh, and yeah. be like, do you see that electrical bulb, man? Ugh, and there's yeah. a whole lot of the stuff you see on reality TV. Yeah, uh, that's not real. And it, <laughs> That's, that's the, the thing. That's what I found. Are you talking about, about orbs, Chris? Listen, I've seen your photos and they're that's horrifying. That's like my Gardner. least I must be asked 500 times a month, "Is this orb a ghost?" I have no idea. Wow. Hey, baby, is this an orb? I have no way of knowing with zero context, uh, you know, no background on right. this photo whatsoever. I don't know if it's your spirit guide. I don't know if it's. <laughs> You know, looks a little a like my relative. great aunt. I, I don't know. No, I don't see a face in it when you blow it up. I just, those are the kinds of questions. Travis, I see it. I, there it is. That's the nose. You know, that's actually a thing. We are, as human beings, sort of, it, it's in our DNA to see a face when we want to make out a face in something. It's actually, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's called per periodolia or pareidolia. Sort of like, you know, people see the face of the man in the moon and, I don't know. There are a million other examples. It's because we're always looking, right? Like That's we're just, what yeah. we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It goes back to caveman, you know, fight or flight stuff. You make out the right. The bear What's happening? Woods, you so, know, so you don't get eaten. Give our audience and some people some background on what you do, and then I guess let's jump into some of the history too. But yeah, tell us about your business, and I guess really what draws you to take people into some crazy <laughs> spaces in St. Louis and give them actual history 
and kind of educate like a 10 part setup there right so uh answer all telling people about my business is actually one of the most difficult things for me to do because so much of my business is learning what not to say Mm um i have all well i'm a native st louis and my family's lived here for a very long time over 200 years and it's we don't come from you know a well, a wealthy pedigree, you know, old money. It's just we've learned how to keep our mouths shut and make friends and survive things like <laughs> right. the Civil War and, right. you know, Prohibition and, and the Great Depression and what have you. Um, I have moved to a lot of different neighborhoods uh, just growing up. I, again, lived here my whole life, daughter of divorced parents, and have been everywhere from North County to DeSoto, Missouri. Ooh. And each of our neighborhoods have That's scary. pretty DeSoto. strong identity. It, it was. It was, you don't take a girl out of Baden and put her in <laughs> DeSoto, DeSoto, Missouri with my, like no setup. My favorite thing is too, I grew up in Farmington, so people from DeSoto are like, you ain't any better. <laughs> I think that's my favorite. I'm like, yeah, we are. I, <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> I, it's just different, you know, but it gave me some perspective. And, that's good. And uh, I'm from the show me state and my parents are crazy opposite ends of the political spectrum. So I would hear stories from them and they would be telling me the same story, but from different political ideologies, I would get a different Isn't that crazy story. how that can yeah. shift uh, a narrative or change things up where it's like all of a sudden there's motivations that wouldn't necessarily be there, but because you decide to think a certain way, you're like, well, certainly that's why that person's thinking that. This is the story of St. Louis. And this is how I began to understand why maybe we're the show me state context matters. And so, you know, a product of my environment and I just, I had a lot of questions mm-hmm. and, you know, I grew up watching the cosmos and Mr. Wizard and a little bit of star Trek, right. but, um, so, you know, science minded kid, but also from St. Louis, mom was a singer, dad was a TV wrestler. So just a very eclectic, eccentric background. Do you and recall the moment where <laughs> you begin to start asking these questions? Like what for you triggered that inquisitive nature for you to want to ask questions about the unknown? When I was seven years old and I had an out of body experience. Really? So uh, I don't learn lessons the easy way at all. And I was not <laughs> where I was sitting in the studio. <laughs> You've met us several times. You keep coming back. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah, I keep trying to run away from <laughs> it, being a spokesperson for anything, and I keep getting drugged back in. Yeah, sorry about that. But it's okay. I forgive you. Um, it's a uh, now I can't remember what the question was. Like was the like hard. when like you what? when you were saying you're out seven years experience. old when out of body experience? Yeah, so I was not where I was supposed to be. I was riding bikes with boys down a very steep hill um, mm-hmm. instead of swimming with my two friends like I was supposed to be, and I fell off a bike and I broke my jaw and I had to have surgery. Wow! But I remember watching my surgery and Blech. hearing things like the terminology and the doctor asking for surgical instruments and I told my parents about it and they weren't mean about it they didn't say you're making that up or they were like okay and then we moved on but I guess because it was never questioned or I was never made to feel like that didn't happen right it was just always in the back of my mind well fast forward many years later and I'm now working in the science and veterinary industry actually and was learning to do spay neuter surgeries on pets and suddenly this terminology comes up again and I kind of have this flashback yeah. like, whoa, I've heard this before. Oh, sure. wow. And I'm like, okay, I'm maybe a little crazy, but no more than anyone else. And just thought, I think there's a little something to that. Mm-hmm. And then working again in the veterinary industry, you work with service animals that are trained to detect things before they happen. Right. Seizures, PTSD episodes. Yeah. And we don't call them psychic. We spend millions of dollars on you know, breeding programs to develop a better service animal. So why can't some people have certain sensitivities and be legit? Right. But what I found, unfortunately, was a lot of carnival sideshow. Ah, that's BS, the problem, isn't redneck it, Redneck reality show ghost stuff. And it I was see. sort of... It, it and it's weird, too, because you didn't even say anything about ghosts or anything else, but just the general theme is just going to be curiosity. Right. It's, it's all the unexplained, unexplained stuff, the sure. paranormal. You know, I also watched Unsolved Mysteries and that stuff as oh, a kid. Man. And they highlighted the triangle stuff and right. Amelia Earhart and just all of the, all of the unexplained. And here in St. Louis, we are pretty special as far as Native Americans believed we were a special place. They thought the Great Spirit was very strong here. 
and where they built their burial mounds is where they felt that it was the strongest, but we can actually measure an energy that's in that area that's EMF. And that is sort of the, the one, I think, term that's sort of universal in all the ghost shows. Everybody knows what EMF is, right. the electromagnetic field. And that is a measurable energy. Gardner, did you have, was your uh, horrifying photo from that, uh, was there an EMF meter in the room? There was a meter of some sort, and we need like to show I said, Lacey this that was. Photo. I want to see his horrifying it's, photo. It's horrible. Is it an orb? Uh, no. Okay. Travis, do you it's remember seeing uh, it? I don't even want to talk figure. about it. No, I, I pretend that I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I, and it's not, I, was not it my place though. or anything like that? It was somebody else's, and they had an, some sort of investigative crew at their place when this happened, so they had different meters set up. And it also was like, I guess there was a trigger of some sort of motion. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a figure that was caught. Um, and it was something. So, <laughs> was it like a shadow figure? Was it was it... a dark figure, yeah. Okay. Um, was it dark? Dark, hooded. If it In looked, the room? Looked I mean, hooded. Uh, are you sure? I'll have to, I have to find the picture. You've tweeted uh, it out before. We'll yeah, but yeah. also on one of them that I tweeted out, there's a filter on it so that you can see the the lighting a little better. I'd rather find the more raw photo mm -hmm. that would uh, that sure. probably be helpful. We'll look into that. And you know, it it could be the most legit photo ever, and mm -hmm. there will always be somebody that says that's so photoshopped. Oh, for sure. So well, how do you how do you uh, from, at least in the science community, what how do they receive? Um, like what? How how are they in regards to the science of it all? Do are they receptive? Are they standoffish? Like what has been? Because I would imagine it's, it's like it's a connotation, of course, as Chris mentioned, that can come along with it, where people think it's you know the whack jobs and these crazy ghost stories. But how do does the science community? How do they receive it? Well, let me first start by differentiating. Okay. Um, ghost hunters versus paranormal research okay and, and people that do actual legit research right I mean, you're more of a historian than a than a ghost chaser I'm i feel like definitely well you i'm from the show me state i like the tangible too right. you know i i want my fact-based evidence before i you know just jump to conclusions there are certain variables that when you sort of combine them sort of are known to increase the activity or, or unexplained activity in, in certain situations. But ghost hunters are people who want to find a ghost. They're okay. the group of friends that get together and they all get their black t-shirts with their team name and they buy their, you know, K2 meters and their whatevers and they go and they want to be scared and they want to get in contact. Mm -hmm. But real paranormal research is about, an unbiased exploration and approach to try and deduce what's going on. Mm -hmm. And okay. paranormal simply means unexplained. And right. I think at this point, sort of like UFO, people are like, well, that's not a UFO. It is a UFO. Well, they mistake, or I guess they confuse UFO with alien Aliens, being. right, right. And they do that with paranormal investigations and research too. Right. It kind of all gets lumped under the same. But is it, does you feel like it's purposely lumped in though to... To throw, Ooh. to essentially say, to, to counter, maybe, counter. To, to discredit, if you will, the actual research that takes place by, if you say, well, it's like yes. aliens and Bigfoot, then yes. the actual research, you discredit that and you kind of challenge the credibility. Yes, and I almost okay. want to say rightfully so, because I'm, I, I definitely take hauntings and, and spirituality and a lot of these things a lot more seriously than I used to. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm still very curious about it and very interested in it. I'm still an open-minded skeptic. I, I am a believer in ghosts or I wouldn't be doing what I do, but I think more people truly, and I say this all the time and maybe I shouldn't, but I think more people need therapy than they need. Oh, absolutely. You know, we say it on, the, on our show a lot. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely. This kind of investigation. It's amazing how afraid people seem to be when they reach out to you, but then when you debunk their haunted activity they're angry at you mm. and that's you know but yes i do think it it it's very difficult it has been difficult for me certainly when i want to do haunted history tours in a, a very respectable location to introduce myself very quickly and and basically ask for the whole 30 seconds as soon as you hear haunted stl right. i'm not the cheesy disrespectful right 
That's you're not, not going to take do. a selfie over a grave and just be disrespectful. I mean, a selfie over a grave, maybe. I don't a, think that's disrespectful. In a disrespectful, disrespectful manner, I, I think if you're say. hanging on the tombstone, that's disrespectful. Uh, but I would not be in this. I have seen um, people raffling off grave dirt uh, for prizes and things like weird. that. And I, I don't feel very good about that. No, I'm not, that's not good. saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying I don't. Yeah. It's like souvenir takers. If you know, you take people to genuinely haunted locations, right. you run the risk of them wanting to take a piece of that. And if 200 people take a piece of something, we start oh. damaging things. And yeah. that's a problem, too. You, you I took a picture of myself at Belfont Cemetery. Well, because you, you used to live at cemeteries. No, I just, there was the, the first owner of the Cardinals, the guy who founded the Cardinals, his gravesite is Steve there. Steve Cardinal. It, no, Chris Vonderach. Chris um, Vonderach. He didn't actually... He wasn't the founder of the Cardinals. He's the guy responsible for putting beer and baseball together. He was the, yeah, he was the guy. He had a bar. I have to clarify that. He needed uh, he needed something to happen in there. Picks up a team. They become the Cardinals because originally they're the Browns, Perfectos, whatever you want to go through the timeline there. Um, and then uh, he was a hell of a character, apparently. Really? Got kidnapped at one point. By okay. another baseball player. Of course. Or, or was someone who was employed by another baseball player. Um, but he bought a, he made a statue of himself that sits at Belfontaine. <laughs> and so I posed as he did by the statue because I was at the Chris Vonderaas statue. And when you read the history of him, it's something. I will just say that. It is something. And I don't think a lot of Cardinals fans know the history of Chris Vonderaas. And it's, I'm it impressed. Is, yeah, anytime I hear somebody bring that up, I think that's it's interesting. That that guy is interesting to me. Just and even how he died. I mean, he was penniless. He was drunk. He was really. You know, it's just everything went to hell. What a life. They thought he burned down part of the ballpark for insurance money. I mean, he had a he had a horses racing out in the out like beyond the outfield. It was like an amusement park around there for a while. Like, but he was a bar owner, and he created all this. And now we're the. Best fans of baseball, classy organization, but how we began is very not, heavy. Not like that. So, what is it then about? What was it that the natives saw about the St. Louis area that made them say it was so spiritual? Or what? What was it? Well, first, it's in the Mississippi River Valley, which is super fertile farmland. Mm. That was, you know, the cradle of life, I guess. You know, for the Americas, it's the best farm soil and, and you have the mm -hmm. shelter and the limestone bluffs everywhere and just a nice hospitable place for life to exist for thousands and thousands of years. Mm. Um, the Cahokian Indians or the Mississippian uh, culture, Native Americans, disappeared. They were thriving and then they weren't. And there's some mystery that surrounds that. I think most people think it was a drought of some kind but their descendants were the mound builders on this side of the river. Hmm. And they are no longer in existence either, but the closest thing we have to them are their descendants, which are the Osage, which we used to have in abundance around here. And these were not a small people. These were warrior people, seven feet tall and you know very strong. And huge numbers of many tribes around right. this area and then we just started moving them all out right after lewis and clark expedition and the rest is history there but everything was special and spiritual to them even rocks had spirits in certain cultures and tribes so you so you feel like some of whatever is happening here is almost like an after effect of this giant civilization that was here a long time ago oh right? you've got layers upon layers upon layers and then you had the Mississippi River, which was the information superhighway of the continent between its length of, it's like over 2,200 miles, mm -hmm. fourth largest river in the world, I believe. Um, but all those tributaries located right where it is means you can move people or information pretty quickly to just about anywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's just, we right here take for granted the geography and the geology of where we live. And it was very hospitable for sustaining civilization for a, quite some time. Hmm. That's super interesting. So in Gardner, I know you've, uh, you've had some mound discussion in your day. Have you, uh, mm -hmm. what do you typically find to be the most interesting or curious thing in today's world about how we look at the mounds? Um, just Cahokia that, mounds, by the way, which is still, I think we've already addressed it just that they're taken for granted and it's oh, just, absolutely. 
And it was at, in its time. It was New York City. And yeah, I mean, it was bigger than London. Yeah, yeah. in its oh, time. Wow. And it's the oldest civilization. It's also the largest archaeological dig site in North America. Really? And it, to me, there should just be lines and lines of people waiting to get in. No there clue every that day. was the case. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. And, and I would even, and I don't know the answer to this, but I would venture to say that. There's probably uh, the percentage that's been excavated, this percentage that's been explored is not as high as you would probably think. Oh, we are walking over graves and things all mm-hmm. the time. Not everyone got a tombstone. Yeah. Mm. I mean, even our newer tombstones, if they were made out of limestone, they're already falling apart. You don't want to build anything out of that. Right. And, I mean, lots of people did not get tombstones. So we pave over them. We disinter them and rebury them in other cemeteries when property values go up. So, I mean, you've got do, thousands do f- of years of that. Do we, do you feel like if there is something like, like, again, I know we're not, we're not I'm not trying to be disrespectful in this, but I'm also kind of like, eh, how does this work? So if there is something excavated out, right, mm-hmm. of an ancient, it's always the oh, ancient Indian burial ground. If it's an ancient burial ground from a society from wherever else. Do you, is there some sort of connection to trouble or actions or reaction? Have you seen Poltergeist? Mm. I mean, is that not I have seen the, the basis the Hollywood of every film. horror movie right. ever? Right, which could come from... You saw what happened in that in-ground pool. Yeah, that's you don't a good point. Disturb At least it was an in-ground, it. not yeah. like those poor people that are above ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, so do, do you, as somebody who's around this all the time, is this somewhere where, like, I don't even know if activity is the right word, if you find out something was going on like that, you're like... Duh, here's the correlation to whatever's happening now. I think it, I think in order for something to be haunted or active, you have to first have a spirit that wants to stick around for some reason. Hmm. And I would say it's more of a bad karma to be, you know, destroying other people's burial mounds. But I think in the instances of, you know, poltergeist activity or someone's Mm -hmm. house being haunted, it's, there are a number of reasons why that could be going on. I, I, I don't know that they're... I can tell you that, that where the largest cluster of Native American mounds was in St. Louis, mm-hmm. it's a very run-down, did-not-do-well part of town. It's really? you know mainly the North Broadway Old Steamboat Warehouse District. And Interesting. It's not exactly thriving. Right. So there's that. Hmm. That's... I wonder if there was something attached to that as people were kind of building things out, like saying, like, ooh, well, don't go I mean, there. They didn't, or they didn't respect exactly it. treat the remains of those people right. you know, with respect. The, the things that you see in a lot of museums, not all, but, I mean, these artifacts, these Native American artifacts weren't just taken off and handed to a museum. Mm-hmm. So where did they get them? A lot of those things came out of mounds. And there's, there's a, a line somewhere, and I'm not the one to, to make that judgment call, but we think about it in different terms when it's like our th- thinking about our grandma being dug up and mm-hmm. things taken off of her, you know, a wedding ring, and then that ends up in a museum makes you feel a little bit different than when you think of the Mississippian culture. Right. And we sort of dehumanize that a little bit, and suddenly this emotional thing becomes an archaeolo- or archaeological thing. Right, where where it's easier like, to oh, do that when de- you don't relate. Right. right, we oh we deserve oh look at this funky uh, headdress or whatever. When it's like again, that could be your grandma's bridal, right. uh, right. whatever you call it, veil. Yeah, huh? Interesting. So go ahead, Trev. I was gonna say what phenomenon currently uh, has you under its spell, if you will. What is something that right <laughs> now that you're mystified by that? You're not only studying or trying to get a, like you said, reaching out to try to find if there is indeed fact, what currently is sticking out to you that, that has been maybe like the holy grail, that's just something that you just keep coming back to. It's, it's, that's a great question. It's electrical current and how Hmm. that is what all that means exactly. So when you get acupuncture and they put a metal needle into your body, Mm -hmm. they are rerouting electrical current. Your chi Mm -hmm. or your life force is also the electrical current. Our brains run on electrical stimuli. When you die and they restart your dead heart, they're using electrical current in a defibrillator. Frankenstein's lab, you know, it was lightning that brought the monster to life. This electrical current seems to be 
the one consistent thing that you need for consciousness or spirituality or, or a continuation of the former self in some way that isn't still linked to the physical form. All That's right. the best way I can put it. And the items that civilizations have considered sacred or crystals and stones that they have considered sacred that we are only recently discovering their conductive properties um, and how that works with electricity and how things that were considered sacred or spiritual are energy sources and what Mm. exactly that means. And so I'm not an expert in any one thing. I'm the girl who's friends with all the people that are. (laughs) And so my questions get answered too well sometimes. And so I am constantly processing new information. But I think the, I think paranormal activity is related to a continuation of this electrical current or pathway, if you will. It's, It's quantum physics and I'm not a physicist. I could barely handle algebra. So this is, when we look at this broken down in numbers, it's confusing and awful to look at and not fun at all. But when you think about it from a spiritual standpoint, Mm -hmm. it's it's more interesting and relatable to more people, Mm -hmm. but it's the same conversation. It's just different terminology. It's weird to think that you're trying to um, add quantum physics and spirituality into one, but in the end, as we evolve and learn more, It'd be weird to find out that they actually could blend together. <laughs> Is it weird though? Because like quantum physics, like you're getting into string theory, multi-universe stuff. Well, that and, would explain things way more. Well, than, then, than just well, some mul- like, oh, multi-universe some stuff. Appeared, like yeah. they 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 could be accepting of hey, in this universe, our rules of physics don't apply in this. Like it's well, they touched different on minerals, it. different all all kinds of stuff. That it when you sit down and think about it, it blows your mind, and it's hard to process because you have. You you have to be open, number one, but also you're like, okay, I don't understand this. I mean, people that say they don't believe in ghosts, I ask them if they believe in, you know, antimatter. Yeah. You know, because that's theoretical and no one's actually seen that. I've always kind of made this relation and it sounds kind of dumb, but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm open to ghosts. I'm open to stuff like that. And, but I don't know why it is or how it is or why it becomes. And I always kind of jungle, I go... Maybe aliens are really good at holograms. I don't know. Maybe we get an explanation one day, right. which is our hope. As we evolve, we normally get explanations using science to our spirituality. And it just, we have to be accepting of this, that a lot of those questions won't be answered while we're alive. But hopefully while others are alive, they continue to gather knowledge. And then, hey, maybe we well, have Well, the problem is answers. no one's been dead long enough. To come back with a credible report, that's <laughs> and I that's think that's point. what we need, here. right? But well, why, why, why can't to your point? Why can't those worlds coexist? Like, why is it? Why has it? Why must it be one way or the other? It has to be. It has to be physical. Or it has to be spiritual. Because why can't it? Hard, co- it's hard to process the information in both worlds. Well, and then you also have a thing like if you just look at it, like is it harder because it's lazy? It's probably both. Okay. Because well, I feel like, our like brains I have are... trouble with it. Like I get to a point and I'm like, ah, I got to take a break. Our brains are not that far off from thinking um, three gods in the sky threw a lightning bolt down because they're mad at us. Mm-hmm. We're not that far away from that. But with that process, being so... said, what again is wrong with those existing all in the same world? It's not. It's just. No, but then you, you, it's you finally get to, to the get bottom there. of it. It's hard to get there. But maybe it isn't meant necessarily to get to the bottom of it. And to your point, it's all about discovery. It's all about, so when you go through a level of discovery, mm-hmm. you're, why would you be willing to dismiss one just to discover the other? And that's, that's the never-ending Bermuda Triangle meets a rabbit hole of discussion. <laughs> okay. Because Bermuda Triangle rabbit hole. Great punk band. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can really find yourself in some tinfoil hat topics because sure, if it's all right. theoretical, then why... Is it so hard to believe that ancient aliens came down? And it's tough to stay that? focused. And but isn't that how Especially we found something? when you say ancient aliens. Well, they ask ancient astronaut theorists say yes. I, I know. <laughs> and I would have laughed at you five years ago. And I'm like, well, I mean. Well, that's, See, I like feel the, like some the of... aspect of that show, actually, there's some things that I dismiss with that show that I'm like, nah, I'm not on with that. Or I'm not on with this. I would, I would effing hope so. But 
I the the relation of religion with yeah. this kind of discussion intrigues me. Like, right. Like when you get it, like it even launches a con. Like if if you're asked, like I'm not. I was raised Catholic. I'm not Catholic anymore. Sure. I don't believe certain things uh-huh. like that. But I look at other religions and like like Buddhism, where they talk about levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. That relates to science and spirituality. So, exactly. To me. Exactly. So like I can I can be open to that. Yes. <clears throat> but I can't have the faith that says this is how it is because I have too many questions. Which so I think I, is I, that- I'm. I'm uncomfortable and also comfortable without <laughs> not knowing. All the time. Yeah. This like, is all the time. I hate, I hate not knowing something. I have to force myself to be comfortable with it because it does, it, like, it's bothersome. I'll, I'll get, I'll, I can walk through an existential crisis for a week and no one would even know it. I'm just, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm outside smoking. Oh, does anything even matter? <laughs> but to your point, you talk about being content, I think, but that's just discovery. Like, even when yeah. you come to a point where you found the answer, it's just natural in us to then go on to the next thing. Right. So I, But I, it's harder these days sometimes, too, with discussions, because you find answers, and then they get denied or well, whatever, our, our and it's brain hard. slash computers that run on electrical current, right? right? Mm-hmm. We know we only use a certain percentage of the whole thing right. and i think when you whatever you can relate it to um at some point for everybody whether you're down to the the nanoparticles or the the quarks and the boson the higgs boson thank you yeah. that now we're talking about we've taken this model of an atom that i'm sure we all saw in high school sure. and know now that that looks completely different than what they thought it looked like yeah right. there's no completely orbit completely different <laughs> right but what they're doing at the CERN laboratory yeah. uh, with all this particle acceleration and, you know, dissecting the tiniest elements uh, or components of right. the tiniest elements that, I mean, these people would have been burned at the stake right. years ago for <laughs> right. witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, how dare you say that right. gene? So uh, some people, you know, have the ability to, to think on that level. I don't think most of us, no, there. and it's hard for me to think on that level. But but I am open to learning how to try to do so, instead of how I thought before. Fascinating. <laughs> no, that's really it. Certainly, because is. how because I thought comes... before is not how it's going to be. Or so how it is. real, real quick. So we you, you mentioned you grew up Catholic. What as far as religious influence in St. Louis? Oh gosh. Give it so. <laughs> <and> we, <laughs> oh, man. So we touch on this, and we can, uh, and we can, we won't keep it too much longer. So. Catholicism, huge in St. Louis. This is as Catholic a city as it's ever been. What are some points that you find yourself today? And we brought it up here a couple weeks ago. You were talking about a nunnery uh, mm-hmm. and, and the influence they had mm-hmm. on the area and even just populating it and mm-hmm. all these crazy things. couple quick points on how religion affects us still today by what happened back then. I guess oh, during sure. settler times. Yeah. So I think the two basic umbrellas we had were Catholic and Protestant and we were a French Catholic yep. city, you know, primarily for well over a century. I mean, if you count, you know, the 1650s when the first French fur traders were hanging out down here, it's a couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, German Protestants started arriving around the 1830s and the first wave and then another wave after some failed revolutions in 1848 they quickly outnumbered the French, but not the Catholics, because then you had Irish also coming mm. and other waves of immigrants later on. Filthy Irish. But I would say hey. <laughs> definitely your, uh, your, you know, Protestant and Catholic. I mean, those are our two longest standing, you know, religions. But yeah, we are still affected by a lot. I mean, many of these things. We, we have help? the two cemeteries, you know, uh, Calvary and, and Belfountain Cemetery divided by one road. One was Catholic hmm. and one was, you know, ideally Protestant. Right, you have, right. you know, a little bit of both in, in both. And and that bled into the society and the culture and the neighborhoods and yes. land purchases and everything, right? And just to give you an example, and I, I don't want to disparage this neighborhood, so I'm not going to say which one it was exactly, but there's a primarily Catholic neighborhood in St. Louis that I looked for a house uh, back in, I guess, maybe six years ago. For yourself. For myself. Yeah. And uh, I was invited to a church function and mentioned that my boyfriend at the time was Jewish. And this 
woman actually had to pause for a good couple of seconds and she just went, that's okay. Like she had to think about that. <laughs> and that was six years ago. So this isn't funny. It's we like, still it's have <laughs> very much, even we really try to present ourselves as a super progressive metropolis, but we more so than many other cities in America have some unresolved tensions and issues very tribal because of the it yeah very I mean, on tribal, many certainly. levels definitely. but it's religion does of course play a huge part absolutely into that. definitely absolutely it, it, and i find it to be interesting too because it's like it's almost as if uh, like everything is segmented super like even down in the neighborhoods even in certain areas and everything but that was all based on churches popping up too right? um well no? we are a self segregating city to a point now but we have i mean we can prove redlining i hate to get super political here, no but we have this del mar divide absolutely i exists. mean if you look at a map black people live north of that and white people live south of that and of course there's crossover but generally speaking that's what we've had here for quite some time yeah. and we destroyed for you know we were cleaning up the slums in the late 50s and 60s and we took out a neighborhood consisting of 800 churches and grocery stores and institutions that were in a poor black community that then forced these poor black folks to find other resources mm -hmm. in neighborhoods where they weren't welcome yeah. because we didn't like that one. And we put the arch basically right on top of it. Right. And so that's not really a comfortable conversation to talk about in your eighth grade civics And it's class. a context. You talked about context that's often forgotten when certain yeah. issues spring up or and we say, I say spring up in the sense that how others who are not familiar with that right. context will say, but we have seen the symptoms for decades. And when something like a Ferguson happens, we can all, a lot of people are like, well, that's an isolated incident. And you can say, well, not it's been technically. Simmering. It's been, yeah, it's something that's been, matriculating, if you will, for, oh, for quite some time right. in this area. But to that point, yeah, I, that's context that's often forgotten when these type of discussions come about. And we don't have any Native Americans here to be angry that's about That's wild. We did yeah, to we, them. there's no, no We have, I think the last census um, showed that there were 66 Osage wow. still here. Oh, my goodness, you really? seven feet oh, tall wow. warrior? Yeah. So I've never had any, uh, I just assume. It's not Dances with Wolves. People and it were was, smaller. I mean, it was. Stay woke, Chris. Mm. You have to stay woke, Chris. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And yeah. here's, okay, so here's the other thing, too. There's also, no one was, no one was, in, was perfect. Nobody was innocent. Everybody oh, yeah, had yeah. There, I mean, there's that part, too, for The sure. Native Americans themselves were warring with other tribes, you yes. know, and fighting over real estate in this Mississippi River Valley. And sure. The slave trade here in St. Louis was particularly brutal, and it was learned from the Native Americans by the Southern sympathizing, eventually French, who were involved in the slave trade. Oh wow, interesting. And the French and, you and the Osage like, were super tight. It would essentially be the routes of moving bodies, for lack of a better term, or just the culture or, behind it too. I would imagine, or just it's saying like, oh, this seems to be a system that works for them. It, it's. That is your culture. Right. I mean, when you are around another group of people. So the French were smart so subjugation enough to realize okay. they needed to, to get along with the Native Americans if mm. they were going to survive. So mm -hmm. they did. And they didn't bring any French women with them. So they bought their first wives from the Native Americans. Who were probably imprisoned from other tribes. Who were the captured slaves of the tribes uh, they were warring okay. with. Sacagawea was a sold, captured slave. So, I mean, it gets super complicated and right. complex sure. and that is st louis's story and until we you know at least learn about it we're going to keep making the same mistakes and we keep making them and absolutely part of our problem Lucy Reinhardt. <laughs> can't solve all the problems but we could talk about it i think That's we're going to try this october in this uh five-part series so i'm excited to do that uh in regards to how people can get a hold of you if they're wanting to take some of these haunted tours I know you've partnered with some universities locally. You'll go all over the place, urban exploring. 
There's a bunch of different ways to connect with Lacey, and you'll get a very good experience. How do people get a hold of you? What's the best way to get, I guess that's the call to action, get on the tour bus? <laughs> uh, well, we have a Facebook page. We've got a website, www.huntedstltours.com. Um, my contact information is right there on the website. Perfect. Uh, it's not a huge business. It's very personal, and I'm the tour guide. So I Aside from that, I think it. it'll be a good time. Lacey Reinhardt, Travis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> be sure to uh, to look her up on Facebook. Highly recommend her, and we're going to be pumping mm -hmm. out social media stuff for her. So you guys need to follow her and uh, come check out the tours. Even just to sit down, and stop by the shop that's downtown, you can get a, a good idea. I mean, of don't how, stay. Right, don't. I mean, That'd be weird. that would be a little strange, Not especially a one of our listeners. But uh, Lacey, thank you so much, and I'm excited for the uh, continued conversation. Thank you again. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely.